VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Greetings, citizens of Earth and all beings, both extraterrestrial and interdimensional. My name is Danny Roth, and this is Who Won the Week, Sci-Fi Wire's podcast dedicated to the top stories from the week in geek. I am joined this week by my co-hosts and friends, the Blur Girl, Kara Mahorn, sort of, and <laughs> Sci-Fi Wire's own editor-in-chief, Adam Swiderski. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm here. I really am. <laughs> you are. You are here. You're. In, you're. You're here, but also spirit. far away. You are. <laughs> you are the one that's that's repping us out on on the left coast in uh, San Diego for that that little tiny comic convention that they do. I guess. Yeah, it's it's not that big. Yeah. Yeah. What, whatever. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff going on. San Diego stuff. Some Terminator things. Some trailers dropping. Uh, some news about that Picard series. Lion King came out. You know. Things. Uh, we'll talk about all that stuff and more, but uh, we do a thing at the top of every show. Where we talk about things that we're personally geeking out about. Hey, Karima, mm-hmm. you're 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 uh you're you're in the in 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 the land of comics and cons. What's uh what's going on out there? What are you geeking out about? Well, I mean, there's a ton to be geeking out about because I am you know literally at San Diego Comic Con, which is if you can tell by my voice, I've been like obviously talking over loud music and uh, tons of people, but. Actually, I'm geeking out about some of the smaller stuff. I'm a fan of Sideshow. If you guys know, Sideshow does a lot of licensed figurines and collectibles and things like that. And some of the offerings that they have out here for San Diego Comic-Con are really awesome. Like They have a whole Endgame series that is just stunning um, of all of the Avengers. And then they also have um, even some DC stuff that's really funny. There's like a Deadpool who's in like literally a kiddie pool. They have a really cool uh, thing with Iron Man as well as Rescue. And I don't remember ever seeing a Rescue figurine. It's actually a War Machine Iron Man Rescue series. That's really, really cool. Um, so that I personally am geeking out over like some of the some of the smaller stuff. And then, of course, of the, you know, the people that I'm seeing and stuff like that. It's been an interesting couple of days, though. Nice. Uh, do you want to do what you're geeking out about real fast? I don't have anything, really. I mean, you I can tell nothing? you what I'm planning to geek out about once San Diego Comic-Con is over. Okay, Adam, what are uh, you planning to geek out about? I am planning about? to geek out about Dark. I actually watched the first five minutes of Dark Season 1, which is a German show that's on Netflix, before I was interrupted and had to put it aside. And I, since then, Comic-Con has been in full swing, and I haven't had the time. But I have heard from many people that uh, Dark is outstanding. And that it is has a bit of a Stranger Things-esque vibe. I didn't watch it when season one dropped because I'd heard it was super bleak. It's hard for me in the world we live in now to really just sit down. I'm going to enjoy watching something that's going to make me existentially full of dread. Because I get enough of that at, at the office, but um, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, but I but I've also been told since then that it, that is it's not going to do that and that season two in particular which just recently dropped is excellent so i am i am gonna check out the dark when uh comic-con is cleared cool i'm gonna um i don't know what i'll do um once it's all said and done but uh i'll tell you what i did this week i started rewatching the best doctor who season of the new show which is the first that you're goddamn right i knew it 
that's the best one. And I, I feel that that is an unpopular opinion. I was led down the path. I was listening to a, a, another podcast, which I would highly recommend. It's, uh, it's called uh, Galactic Yo-Yo, uh, which involves a lot of people who are affiliated with Doctor Who in some fashion. Uh, talking about their unpopular Doctor Who opinions, I watched, I listened to it because um, Crystal D, who was sort of the, the face of Doctor Who fandom and, and ran their fan show for a number of years and has since left, kind of came to talk about the challenges of running a fan show and how hard it is to work in this industry. And gosh, I was very interested to hear that. But um, also they were talking about unpopular uh, Doctor Who opinions and it led me to re- start rewatching the Christopher Eccleston stuff. And I will tell you, there's an episode within there that is also considered to be the worst episode of that season. And I think that it has aged very well. And it is called The Long Game. Um, it is the seventh episode of that season. It is the weird episode that comes after Dalek, that one episode where the kid from Dalek, Adam, um, is with the Doctor and Rose. He's a, he's kind of this one-off blip character. But... It is a episode wherein they go to a period in human history, which is supposed to be the fourth great and bountiful human empire, but something has gone wrong. And what has gone wrong is that the technology is weird and it has messed up society and it is the way people who tell the news, there's a, there's a satellite called Satellite 5 and it's where all of the news is spread out. But the way that the news is spread out is that there's uh, a bunch of people all in a circle connected to a person at the center of the circle. And the information goes directly into that person's brain through these people filtered out. And that's how the news is set out to the world, which is all to say that um, in a very weird, unnecessarily futuristically complex way, Doctor Who predicted social media before Twitter was a thing, a year before Twitter was founded. Wow. And uh, and uh, surprise, surprise, um, not to spoil it, but uh, Satellite 5 is controlled um, by through misinformation from a um, evil foreign power. Um, and all of these witless journalists are spreading information um, that they think is true. And they're being damaged, of course, because it's the knowledge is going straight through their brains uh, and then filtered out through this weird social media thing. And uh, yeah, I thought this feels very disturbing in a way that it didn't in 2005. Uh, And also, um, you know, the information goes both ways. So, you know, like once you open yourself up to that thing, they also know all of your personal information, which they can use against you. Anyway, it's a terrifying episode in hindsight, and I highly recommend watching it. Don't use FaceApp, in other words. That's it. (laughs) The moral of the story. Got him. Yeah. We should dive right in, I believe. Uh, into San Diego because there's so much stuff that's going on. Um, do you want to talk about uh, some some trailers that that drooped, that we dropped? Uh, there was uh, you got you got your it chapter two. Yeah, everyone's gonna love that one here. A lot of horror fans here at, at Who <laughs> on the Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, wait, let, let, and let's back up. I am an actual. I you do like this one. I like the Stephen King, and it is one of my all time favorite books by him. So, yeah, I, I have an interest beyond my usual cowering in fear from anything horror with this movie. I'm going to agree with Adam because usually I'm petrified as well. So yeah. <laughs> this one looks interesting. So then the trailer, um, it worked for you. This is like this follow-up trailer. Did it make you even more excited than you already were? How, how did you feel about it? It sure did. For 27 years, I dreamt of you. You. 
I think, well, first of all, I think this movie has been impeccably cast. They leaned into that a lot. We get a lot of bouncing back and forth between seeing the kids and seeing the adults. Uh, and I, I just, I love the cast that they've assembled. I, it's going to be interesting because, I, have either of you guys read the book? No, I have not. Okay. A hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, the, the adult part of the story is not that involved really there's not a ton that happens the, the lion's share of the book is about when they were kids so it'll be interesting to see how they flesh that out because they're going to have to uh i'm assuming we're going to get some more flashbacks to when they were kids but they're also going to have to to pad a little bit in terms of the action that happens when they're adults who've returned to dairy so I, i'm curious and I, I you know they did a good job with the last one so i'm pretty hopeful they'll do it again this time karma how'd you feel about it Again, I didn't want to, and it's funny because I didn't know that. So I wanted, I don't want to, didn't want to judge it or whatever because I was like, hmm, are they going to stick with the kids or are they going to go adult? The same thing I felt with the first one. It feels the cinematic level, like the the just the cinematography and everything. They it it is such a beautifully executed film. You were looking at the casting. I'm just looking at the execution, and if the whole movie looks like what I'm seeing in the trailers, this is going to be really, 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 really intense. I was just struck by how good it looks, and it doesn't feel like a jump scare, even though they are in there. It's not all jump scare, what, jump scare after jump scare. And it definitely, it's weird. I almost feel like, and this is clearly because um, we've seen us, but when McAvoy is in that like fun house mirror thing, seeing himself and the clown and everything, I'm like, oh my God. Funhouse mirror mazes are having a moment. There was yes, there was us. There was us. There's one in Stranger Things. There's a scene that takes place mm-hmm. in season three, and now this. Oh yeah, that's true. I uh, and I think I think Karen was right, and I think that sense that's a sense of style that comes with people having bought what you're selling, right? Because it chapter one was such a huge hit, and now they're playing a little bit with house money, and they can really push that look and the, the a particular feel that they're going for. Yeah, it looks weird. Yeah. That's what I like about it. It looks real weird. It looks like, you know, they could put, isn't there a giant turtle or something in the books? There or? is a giant turtle. And if uh, if you got a problem with maturing the turtle, then you got a problem with me. And I suggest you let that one marinate. <laughs> wow. This is, right. I, feel, I feel as though this has become your, this is your, this is your new motto. It, it's getting there. It's getting there. But I, I got to tell you, man. because no, no, I, th- I think, I'm just saying, I think that that turtle is going to show up. I really hope so. I doubt it. I sincerely doubt it. Now, I will say there were some scenes from in the trailer that knowing the book kind of looked like they're from the climax of the book and gave ah. me some hope that they're going to handle it in a better way than the miniseries did. Because for those who don't know, there is a whole metaphysical, and they hinted at it in the first movie, there's a metaphysical dimension to the It story. P- uh, some people don't buy into it. Some people are like, oh, that's cheesy, whatever, you know, but I love it. I think it's great. I think it what sep- it's what separates it from a standard bog standard uh, monster story, and I hope that they that they embrace it at least somewhat. Um, we talked about it when it the first movie came out and how their their defeat of it is more about will than force. There's a lot of that in the adult side of the story, and I and 
in the in the miniseries, they basically threw all that away and they defeat it by picking it up and throwing it in a hole or something. The actual monster, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple scenes in the trailer for chapter two that looked like they hinted at a different way of approaching that climax, and that makes me happy. Yeah, it looks good. I don't. I mean, I, I was already gonna watch it no matter what, but yeah, I I just I just think that it's uh, it's visually striking. And uh, you can feel that existential dread. Indeed, that's Indeed. what I like. Uh, so there's that one. Bill Skarsgård's gonna Bill Skarsgård it up, man. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and James McAvoy in uh, everything, I guess, because he's also in the Dark Materials. Trailer. That's a good point. He's in both of. I guess he's having. Oh, a moment. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Also having a moment, James yeah. McAvoy. That X Men money's gonna dry up pretty soon. So <laughs> yes, yes, boy, to, uh, geez, he really is in everything because he's in that. He was in split. Glass. He was in, here's glass, here's yeah. what I forgot. The glass was also this year. That was the thing that I was I was at trivia and I was reminded that glass came out in 2019. Yes, it and did. I thought 2019 has been the longest year of my life. But wow, it, we're halfway through. <laughs> I felt that way about 2018. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I can't believe that that how was that? But yeah, he's in everything. The, yeah, you got your two superhero movies. You get your uh, you get your uh, scary clown movie there. And uh, now you got your uh, God Doesn't Exist movie. Now this is the one. Yeah. This is the one well, that TV I'm series. excited for. Okay, go ahead. This is actually, and I'm, I'm. This is the panel at San Diego that I'm most going to be watching from afar. I love this book series so much. Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials. It's so good, and the movie they made was so bad, and so it's going. I, I am. I am crossing all my fingers that they do it justice this time around it it deserves that and it deserves the space to breathe that a tv series gives and i don't know man this trailer looked awesome to me what question should we be asking you that we are not magisterium have muscle i would ask where i could obtain the services of an armored bear yorick bernison Ready to fight. As people need our help, Yorick, let's go get it. Break, well, break it, break it down because I don't. This is something that I'm completely oh, unfamiliar oh, with. So, oh. wh- that was yeah, yeah. Hammer. I did mm-hmm. my hammer dance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Okay, break it down. His Dark Materials takes place in a world not unlike our own, although it was in the past. Uh, where, but where people carry their souls around outside them in the form of animal companions called demons. But that is just kind. Of, this is this is the thing. That's the kind of the plot of the Golden Compass, which is the first one. And boy, howdy, does the series expand from there, and it tackles some really interesting stuff for a young adult fiction series. It's very subversive. It's it's just really smart and really well done. And so, yeah, uh, and this this so far, I mean, the first thing is Daphne Keene, who is front and center in the trailer. Yeah, she's, I was about to say, yeah. She's playing Lyra, she's who's, who's the main character of the entire thing, and that makes me so excited. They could not have cast better for that role. At least from the at least without having seen anything she's done so far other than in the promotional material, but like having watched her in Logan and then this, it's just like that. It's it's perfect. It's perfect casting. Say Lin Manuel Miranda, like I'm all all yeah. of the people that are in this, and then and again cinematography. Yes, Ruth Wilson is. I mean, Ruth I Wilson. I is, love Ruth. Oh. I think Ruth Wilson is great. I think I think that. Um, and again, perfect for that part. I, just just. I mean, if you read the book and you just and you see that, you're like, yes. And it seems so. This is the thing. I think the HBO, you know, they're in a post Game of Thrones world, right? And they've got prequels coming out and everything. But 
they are. It was funny because they aired a promo immediately after the finale of Game of Thrones that was like, "Look at all these great shows we've got coming up, but don't leave us, please, please, please." And uh, his Dark Materials was in that, and I think it has the chance to kind of grab a bit of that prestige fantasy. It's a little different. It's not like a high fantasy like uh, Game of Thrones was, but mm-hmm. but it has a chance to grab that audience a little bit because it is it's it's complex it's got politics it's got uh you know adventures like straight up wilderness adventure it's got a lot of magic and a lot of interesting stuff going on in it so uh and this was also the first trailer where they did show uh the demons the bear yes well the yeah. bear too yeah the bear the, the the talking polar bear written armor which is is in the book i swear not as ridiculous as it sounds the 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 demons the uh the what do you call them the souls of the people they carry around outside their bodies, their animal companions, such a huge part of the first book. And this is the first time they hadn't seen it in a previous trailer. This is the first time we're seeing it. Looks great. Love it. Mm-hmm. I'm psyched. The end of my rant. <laughs> I'm not sure about Lynn Manuel Miranda. It's a little bit. That's a, well, yeah. I like I like the man. Yes. I'm not I'm not trying to attack him. I just the 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 gravitas. Right. Is what I'm not sure he's right. he's necessarily got. I mean, when you read the book, the person I saw in my head was Sam Elliott, who is then who they cast in the film, I believe, if I remember correctly. So, you know, it's that type of rugged, old cowboy type of character, and yeah. So, so Lin Manuel Miranda seems a bit of a of a stretch in the casting front, but I don't know. He could be great. He could be great. I just, you know, what? It's just when I hear Lin Manuel Miranda's. Voice, he's just got musical voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got a an upbeat. Po- it's just it's you know maybe I'm just not used to it. Maybe that's just uh not nostalgia, but you know you just kind of get a person in your mind. It's like you know he's been he's been cast in stone in this one type of way for me, and I haven't been able to see him as anything else. Maybe this will break him out. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean it looks it looks good. I don't know what the odds are. That it'll be the thing that is the breakout next oh, thing from yeah. HBO. I mean, who knows? It's it's tough to say. It's tough to say because it's 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 this and uh, Watchmen and then um, you know Westworld coming back and yeah. all this other stuff that's coming out now. But I guess those are like the the, the super genre heavy ones, right? Um, I mean, we'll see. It looked all right. Yeah, Karma, did you did you like the trailer? I did like the trailer. Um, I. I, well, and and I loved seeing the demons. That again, the the polar bear wasn't the only one that was shown. I'm gonna wait to see what what Lin Manuel Miranda does. I I have a feeling that he's in there because they're trying to bring more audiences that don't know the work but know him, which would be smart to the to the movie. I hope that he does um, a really good job. But again, it does look stunning. And what I'm actually gonna try and do is. Um, I want to check out the book before it comes out, but I had actually had a question for Adam. This has no connection at all to the Golden Compass, right? This series no, it is. is not the, in any way it like it is. Absolutely, the Golden Compass is the first book of the trilogy. It goes the Golden Compass, I believe, the Subtle Knife and the Amber Spyglass, or maybe the Amber Knife. Or the uh, Jesus, the Amber Spyglass might be the second one. I can't remember for sure, but those are the three names of the books. Uh, so the Golden Compass is the okay. first one. Yeah. Does it feel like we have to go back and watch that movie before oh, no, we see the no, series? No, no, no. This is basically okay. The Golden Compass movie was an attempt to launch a film franchise around this series, and it failed because Got the it. movie was not good. So <laughs> this is basically a relaunch. 
start and everything that happens in the Golden Compass. I mean, all, the trailer, everything we see in the trailer is from the Golden Compass. I'm guessing that's going to be the first mm-hmm. season of the show. I guess it's, I mean, like there are other trailers, but those are the ones we're going to focus on. I'm going to say just very quickly um, that uh, I was surprised and very uh, pleased and excited by the um, by the, the the new sci-fi movie that's coming out, uh, Zombie Tidal Wave. What's that? Alive, but dead. Come on, sure. Let's stick to reality. It looks amazing. I am completely all in. I actually think that in the realm of the way that my brain works, my brain is more readily able to accept zombies in a in a in a, in a tidal wave than it is able to accept sharks in a, in a tornado. For some reason, I don't know why. Okay, but that. Or, it, or snakes on a plane. Yeah, I don't know why, but like, yeah, just in general, this is the one that really struck my brain ex- exactly right. And I, it, it looks actually a little bit scary. It looks campy and fun. And uh, I'm just going to put it out there. If you haven't seen the trailer, uh, check it out. I think it's coming out sometime in August. And uh, and I don't always get to say that I'm really, really super excited about uh, B-movies. I'm not always super gung-ho about them. But this this one looks really good to me for some reason. So that's that. Um, let's talk about Terminator. I, uh, I have no way to transition that, but let's talk about Terminator. My name is Sarah Connor. Never seen one like you before. Almost human. I am human. Well, they were going nuts. They were absolutely going nuts out here for, uh, Basically, the the panel, it's all anybody would talk about for like a couple hours because when Linda Hamilton showed up on the stage, it was just like it was all happening all over again. So it, and it does look epic. I'm not I'm not mad. It's wild to me that uh, so James Cameron wasn't there, but he, uh, he 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 live Skyped in or whatever to say, hey, I think it was I think it was pre-recorded, I think. Hey, it's me, James Cameron. I'm uh, Avatar. By the way, Edward Furlong's in mm-hmm. this movie. Bye. <laughs> what? Right, right. That feels simultaneously enormous, and yet also I don't care at all. I, I don't know why, but I can't figure out how my brain feels about it. That's, a, I guess? He's he's from the, 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 the last Terminator movie that everybody liked. He's the John Connor that is the John Connor that people tend to think of when they think of John Connor. So I guess that's good. But it is it is it this huge... Do people go crazy in the crowd? What What is the reaction in, in San Diego? Is that a big part of the, the, the dialogue that you saw, Karima? The dialogue was actually more from... Not about... Not about her son. It was really more about seeing Linda and um, Arnold back. And honestly, quiet as it's kept, I have a feeling that there's some stipulation in their <laughs> agreement that Linda is not in the same room with James. <laughs> I think that's why he wasn't there. She looked amazing. <laughs> it's funny. A lot of people they, they are saying, oh, yeah, it's about John. It's about John. This is important. But what everybody else was talking about was was Linda and what it's going to be like. Also, Gabriel Luna, you know, and and what kind of Terminator he is and also in the trailer, you you finally see the standoff that we were looking for, which is Arnold versus this new you know this new upgrade. That that's most of what people were you know yelling about. But it's it's pretty amazing. I'm pretty psyched that they're just letting Arnold be old. It's like you know what? Yeah. You don't need to CGI him to look like he did in 1980. Whatever he said, he's an old guy now, and that's okay. But wait, here's my question: yeah. How's he alive? He's a robot. Yeah, but he melted. 
we're going to have to watch the movie? Because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there was another version of himself in the future that came back. And did you see the body actually melt, Danny? Did you see the body actually turn into liquid? Because we you... saw a thumbs up. <laughs> we saw that we saw the camera go off, which means maybe his CPU shut down, but the body remained intact inside the molten metal. I, I don't want to make a um, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams joke, and yet <laughs> I've done it. Oh, sorry, everybody. No. I didn't mean to make this into a Terminator truther moment, but here we are. Uh, no, it looks it looks good. I mean, I, I the trailer that they put out is just um, I thought it was just kind of so so, at least in the sense that I hadn't heard this huge thunderous excitement about this movie until now. Right. So whatever they did at San Diego obviously was extremely, extremely effective uh, in a way that just that trailer wasn't and I wonder I, I'm trying to figure out why it is that the trailer didn't quite excite me because it seemed I mean I you know I, I don't always feel in step with how other people feel but I didn't know anybody that saw that trailer and and just blew their stack with well, excitement and they haven't really gotten into the story yet I mean the trailer that they have so far is very much just a teaser you know it's one scene almost just from the film um, or it's scenes from one scene we don't know the overarching plot uh, you know, and I think that's the thing is that so far this franchise after Terminator 2 has not really cracked a good plot. You know, it, it still keeps coming back to John Connor and, and the you know, Rise of the Machines and then they get more into exactly what is going on and why we should care. You know, uh, people, I, I think I will be more excited. I mean, it uh, seems as though everybody, it seems that the, the, the dime that, that things got turned on was just Linda Hamilton. That's yeah, it. Yeah. She showed up and said, hey, it's going to be very emotional. Yeah. I really felt some things when I made this movie. That's right. And, I, and, everybody, my, and everybody believed. It's interesting that, want, that James Cameron got out. Yeah, God, what's your she, theory? She dies in this movie. Oh, is she going to be like I, Logan? I think she'll go out. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. I think she'll go out like a boss, <laughs> but she's going to die. Old woman Sarah. That's wow. what you're saying. Yep. They should have just called this movie Sarah Connor. Period. They shouldn't have that. The Terminator Sarah. I don't know. No, I think Sarah Connor. That's a good, yeah. Right. There you that's go. Just call it Sarah Connor, and yeah. that would have been it. If they had called it that, I think it. You know, that's the other thing. I think that um, Dark Fate just didn't. I don't think it got people excited uh, in a way that if they called it Terminator Sarah Connor or just Sarah Connor, people right. would have would have absolutely exploded at that point. You wouldn't even need the trailer. Would have been like whatever. Sure, it's a Bjork song. Yada. You know what bones me out though is this this trend now with sequels where they don't give it a number anymore. Yeah. I miss numbering. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't know you don't know where you are anymore in the in the in the well, lineup. I mean there's a reason that they didn't do it with this <laughs> with one. With this one, yeah, but I feel like most of the time it's because they don't they just want to they can put title of franchise colon whatever after it and do that forever, you know, whereas it's ridiculous if you were looking at Terminator 8. Mm-hmm. You know. Is that wait, what number are we up to? 3 Something four, like that. 5 6. This would be 6. Plus the TV series. Yeah. So seven, kind of. Oh, you count the TV series? Yeah. Okay. I love ter- the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, I count yeah, it. Hell yeah, actually, I count it. I think it's better than most with, of the I was going to say, that's, that's the with best With Cersei? Thing that- the one with Cersei? Yeah, you're damn yeah. right. You're goddamn right. I love Cersei <laughs> in that show. That's better than any Terminator movie they've made since T2. 
I, I, think. I agree. Yeah. Except except for the end of uh, of Terminator Three. Well, yes, we can all, we can all As we have established, yeah. the end of Terminator Three is the best ending of any Terminator movie. Yes. Fact. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that they rolled in and 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 had Linda Hamilton say that she she felt feelings, and everyone said, oh, "Okay, well, she's been gone." And I think people are more excited about her coming back than James Cameron coming back, which is interesting. She's the one. She's the she's the face that had to come out and say, "Trust me," because she doesn't seem as though she's somebody who would lie to you. I guess she doesn't seem like a bullshit artist. Didn't come through that way. Yeah. Doesn't seem as though she would come back to Terminator unless it was worth her and everybody else's time. I think that really just boils down to that. Yeah. I agree. All right. Um, speaking of uh, coming back for the right thing and, and being older, they revealed some some kind of little bit of new stuff for the Picard series that still doesn't have a, a release date, but I have to assume will come out as soon as they could possibly get it out because, you know, they'd really, CBS continues to need more victories um, on their streaming service and hopefully Picard will be it. But they started talking about some things, about the situation that Picard's going to be in, where we might be going, whether or not he'll be in space. Answer, yes, duh. But, you know, also why he's, why he's leaving his, his orchard and, and all that. What, did, uh, what excited you most about the, the, the news that you saw out of that, Adam? Excited me? or the one that intrigued, intrigued you? Yeah, the one that intrigues me the most is that it's going to be serial, which I thought was interesting. I mean, I know that's kind of the de facto thing for television now. But, you know, back when Next Generation was on TV and last time we saw Picard, it was not. And we got circular storytelling where an episode, basically, they began and ended at the same place. And we've never, so we've never seen this character in a TV series that serializes its story. And I'm curious as to how that's going to play. I think that was the big one. And then the second one, I mean, the big bombshell was that while he is going back to space, he will not be operating as part of Starfleet, necessarily. Yeah, by which I, they, I I assume, I mean, they don't want to say it out loud, but yeah, he's not, I don't think he'll be part of Starfleet at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am also interested in that. And I'll say this, you know how you, you had your prediction that uh, Sarah Connor is going to maybe die at the end of Dark Fate? Yes. I assume they'll do more than one season of this Picard thing if if Patrick Stewart has agreed to it. But I think that whenever time is up on the Picard series, it will end with his death. I don't even want to think about that. I think that's what they're going to do. I think that they're planning to tell the end of his story. Uh, and I, the thing that intrigued me most was them saying that since he's not a part of Starfleet, it means that being the, the moral guy who stands up for what's right is a lot harder because he doesn't have an army at his back anymore. He doesn't have a big galaxy-class starship full of officers that are going to follow everything that he says because he's always correct no matter what. He doesn't have that anymore, and that that fundamentally changes the character. And I am also excited to see specifically what it is that will pull him back in. Because when you're older, the older you get, the more you don't, want to do that uh i think you know i look at picard's situation and he's li- he's literally got an orchard you like the fleet foxes you like that band fleet foxes yeah right. uh they got a song called helpless is blues uh it's uh at the end of the song the lyric is um if i had an orchard i'd work till i'm sore 
and you would wait tables and soon run the store. And it's all about how helpless you feel in life and how we all crave the simple, like not have to think about how complex things get. And I assume that things happened to Picard as happened to all people that drove him to the simple life. And I tell you, if you get to that spot where you could just work the fields that are your fields for a while, I would, if it was me, I would never come back. Say, bye, good luck. The world don't need me. So I'm very interested to see what it is that finally pulls him back into the fight and what that fight is. I don't know. I'm jazzed. I um, I keep being nervous about it because, of course, uh, I've been watching Star Trek The Next Generation from the very first day that it dropped. I was seven years old, and I have never stopped watching it as the show that I return to the most. So I'm terrified of it being bad, but... Man, every little taste that I get, every little new piece of information makes me more excited than the last. So I wonder if they'll drop some footage at San Diego at the panel this year. They might. That is actually the plan. Um, oh. When I was at the booth, and and the there's a lot of signage. There's a lot of there's actually a really cool CBS All Access uh, booth out here for. Um, and it's funny. It's they're calling it CBS All Access, but all they're showing you is Star Trek. And it's a really nice uh, activation where they're showing you all of the different captains. You get to take like a little transporter ride. And it's actually a lot of fun. The one thing that I was trying to get out of them is like, are we going to see it? Are we going to see it? And no one would say no. Everybody kept saying, you know, anything that you're going to see, you're going to have to go to the panel to see. So I get the feeling that they're going to be dropping some stuff. I also am excited to see what, um, what other uh, basically guest stars I know Jonathan Frakes is definitely on board to shoot yeah direct two episodes I can't see him coming there to direct and not actually being in the show oh I like, don't I just know can't about see that. that I don't know I think that they might show maybe it'll end up being him but I think if you see any other cast members it'll happen at the very end I don't think hmm. they'll do more than one it's possible thing the more I think about it the more I, I feel as though that's something that if they're going to do more than one season of this thing which I suspect they will I think that they'll save another Enterprise D slash E uh, crew member for the very end of the season. Can you guess who my original series, or not original series, next gen cameo that I want most is? Uh, I, okay. Karima, can you guess? I have two that I'm, I think it I'm, might be. <laughs> I don't want to guess. I, don't, I know I'm going to get this wrong. So All right, ahead. Danny, shoot. I think it's either... I think it's going to be either uh, Guinan or Q. That's my guess. You one of got it the second time. Q. I want to see an older Patrick Stewart and an older John Delancey playing off of each other. I think that would be really delightful. I think that would be delightful. I don't. It sounds like this is like a serious story, and I don't know if they're really going to bring out the Q. But I yeah, really that's wish the thing. It's, it's it's really hard. It's really hard for me to to believe that if they're going to be dealing with. Um, what I suspect they're going to be dealing with, because they kind of hinted that there's other stuff, but that right. the, the Romulan thing that happened yeah. in the 09 movie with the, with the comic book tie-in that Romulus got destroyed, that that's at least one thing. Right. And uh, You don't think I, they're going to deal with the Borg at all? No, I don't think so. Because it's all about past regrets and stuff like that, and I wonder whether or not that still would be something that shakes him. I don't think so. I don't. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong, but I don't suspect. I think that it'll be at least partly based on what I've seen out of Star Trek. They've been pretty political, so I, 
it's very hard for me to believe that there won't at least be something about Romulan refugees. Mm. I do think that's good. I mean, I don't know how big a part it'll be, yeah. but I would be shocked if it wasn't at least something that he had to deal with. It might not be the thing that he's dealing with in the present, but I am sure that there was the question of Romulus is destroyed. Here's who's left. What do we do with these people? Because we're kind of, we don't get along with them. We're kind of, we've been at war with them the whole time and they need our help. Does the Federation help them? Yes or no. And you could really see a Starfleet and the Federation in general having a real rift over that question. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could see Picard having a pretty strong moral response to it because if nothing else, I mean, I'm not here to sing the praises of Star Trek Nemesis, but he certainly in that moment had the desire to form a peace with the Romulans. That was where they left it, that there was a real chance that finally there was going to be an armistice between the the Romulan Empire and the Federation and that he was going to be a part of that. So... I think that that's the side he would certainly be on. And I don't think that just if we look at the Federation and what it's been through, and if you look at the whole continuity of it, not just Next Gen, but Deep Space Nine and everything else, not everybody always agrees. And if there's anything that they certainly wouldn't all agree on, it's definitely this. Right. So I do think that that'll at least come up. I don't know how big it'll be, big it'll be, but I do think it'll come up. That's my guess. The more we talk about this, the more excited for this show I get. Even if that's not the answer, just the, uh, just... Because I could see that being the answer, and I, could, I, I just, you know, they talked a lot in the the information that came out immediately pre-con about there being some un- injustice. That's what draws Picard back out, right? It's some injustice right. that he has to write. And man, if there's something more entertaining than watching Patrick Stewart as Picard battling injustice on some level, I don't know what it is. There's going to be some fiery speeches. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. And uh, you know, and they said that he's an even better actor than he was before, if that's possible. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's I guess that's that's all the big um, San Diego Comic Con stuff. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Adam, can I talk to you about The Lion King? I mean, you can. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. Did you see the did you see the original the 1994 Lion King when it came out? Um in 1994, yes I did. What did you think of it? How did you feel about that Lion King? I quite enjoyed the Lion King. How old were you at the time? 94, that would make me 19 years old. And you liked it. You're into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a very interesting time that because that was 
the real start of what people considered the... What's the end, right? That's the end of the Golden Age. No. Yeah, it's it is. It's the end. That's the end of the Golden Age. Well, I guess that's true. Right? Because it's because it starts. No, it Little starts Mermaid with was the start. It's Little Mermaid, right. uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and, and Lion King peak. are this are, is are the peak of that wave. Are I the guess. are the ones? You're Those right. are the ones that You're you right. think of. Uh, so yeah. So ninety four. You saw it. You were so you were a little bit older. I was yes. as, as I said um, on a past podcast, perhaps or at least uh, uh, in private before a podcast. I was fourteen. I think that fourteen is the wrong age. At 14, you're so busy, you're at the beginning of being a teenager, at least for me. My head was just in the in the fog of trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I think once you're 19, you're back in a spot where you kind of are, remember who you are a little bit. And go, oh, I can go out and see The Lion King. I got time well, for that. Sure. Or at least at least you you remember that it's okay to to, to watch kids stuff. That Well, that's true. You know, I definitely had that. Uh, that's a kid. That's kids movie stuff. I don't have time for kids yeah. stuff anymore. I'm a grown up. Because I also fourteen year olds are are dumb. This was the college years, and I I, I don't remember. If I, yeah, I said by the I college years. Yeah, yeah, solid. So I uh, I worked in a video store in, during the summers and winters during the college years. So I remember also when the Lion King hit home video, which was a big deal. But for you like it? Where, know, where would you where would you put it on the on the of the golden age Disney movies? Where does it la- where does it rank among those three? Among those four. Uh, Little, Little Little Mermaid, Mermaid Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and, oh. and Lion King. I think The Lion King is the best one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to make a bold declaration. I know. I'm, I'm ready for this, and boy, it's going to hurt. But go ahead. I think The Lion King is bad. Oh. 1994's The Lion King is overrated. Vastly overrated. I don't think it's good. I think that the characters are underdeveloped. I think that there is some very poor casting. Uh, and I just, I think that it's, with the pacing of it is weird, and I feel that there are a lot of emotional beats that feel unearned for me, and I say that as somebody who saw The Lion King, 1994's The Lion King, for the first time Wednesday of this week. Okay. And I believe that I feel this way because... Uh, in the intervening years between The Lion King and now, uh, we've had uh, many Pixar films, many Studio Ghibli films, uh, and many animated films, period, that have come out. I mean, not all of them are great, but I do think that the, um, I don't want to say the genre of animated films, but that animated films in general, um, I do think that we've, found a, a a whole new level. I think we burst through the ceiling on what we could do with animation and the kind of storytelling that we tell with animation. And I just don't think that Lion King compares with something like Spirited Away or Finding Nemo. I just think that it's nowhere near as well told a story or as well cast as a lot of the movies that have come out since. That's my opinion. I'm not saying that anybody, if you like it, great. I wish that I had seen it when I was a kid. Uh, I feel like I probably would have felt differently. Uh, or I wish that I had just seen it in 1994 when it came out. I was 14, 14 as a kid. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't, I felt nothing. I didn't think much of the music either, I'll tell you what. Wow. Did not think much. Wow. Hakuna Matata, annoying. That's oh, an annoying song. God, you're the worst. I'm sorry, everybody. You are the living worst. Uh, um, so here's the thing. I don't... Everybody that I heard um, who'd seen the movie last week in, in screenings, everybody, you know, is not like me. Everybody likes The Lion King. 
1994's The Lion King. And so everybody was very disappointed by the, the, the new one because they thought um, it's just – because it is a retelling. And then, you know, let's be very clear. 95% of this movie is beat for beat identical. The at, the angles that they choose, the, 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 the character movements, even though it's CGI as opposed to Android animation, it's still – it's the same shtick. And the script is – I mean they're saying the same – lines the exact same mm-hmm. lines you know and so the changes are very few and far between and they're weird the changes that they chose i also did not like this version but i don't think i hated it quite as much as everybody else who had got strong potent feelings mm-hmm. but i do think it's important to keep in mind that uh when i went it was a public screening it was a six thirty show and uh that theater was packed with children yes and the children were thrilled. Mm. And that's that. You know, I just, I mean, there are times, you know how we talk about how sometimes a movie comes out and you say, well, who's this for? Right, right, right. Um, this movie was f- for for children and it was for Disney to figure out what they could do with this technology. Mm-hmm. That's it. That end of list. Um, and I do think that people are going to come out just for the spectacle of it. Because it is, it's interesting. It's certainly, you, you know, you watch it. Um, I just think that, this is one of those times where hand-drawn animation is just going to pull out a certain kind of human emotion right. and expression in a way that the CGI that's trying to be very realistic is just not going to do. Right. Well, because what they and this has actually been talked about a lot since footage from the new Lion King came out, which is in the hand-drawn animated version, they really humanized the faces in a way they gave them facial expressions that animals can't actually do you know to convey certain emotions and then you see the cgi version that is trying to stick more to what animal faces are actually capable of and it feels not as expressive and yes there's a bit in the in the original lion king which they they repeat here uh you know the 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 thing about um uh simba just finding his father by looking in his uh reflection yes. in the pool yeah uh, and he's like oh you know like he lives on in you and uh i went and saw it with todd and he said because literally all lions look exactly the same that is some speciest stuff right there i'm just saying but they do they not really, to lions they don't well i'm just gonna tell you these cgi lions all look the yeah the goddamn same yeah um and that is a thing that kind of pulls some of that emotion right away right uh, and the other thing that is, I haven't heard anybody talk about, you know, how, uh, 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 there's these hyenas, you, you remember the hyenas sure. from the, from the, of from, course. from the original movie Yeah, largely paid for a uh, comedic effect, mm-hmm. get some, got some comedians, uh, you get your, get your, get your, uh, your, uh, your Cheech Marin in there, your, yeah. your, your Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, is it Jim Cummings? I think who's, who's, who's the, the, like D- Disney mainstay Jim Cummings. Um, but uh, you know, for for jokes. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Hyam's very serious in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's not that there are no jokes, but I will say that there are less jokes. And they've got, I mean, they had some comedians, because you've got uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre uh, playing two of them. But uh, Shenzi, who is is the was the whoopee hyena, is played by uh, Florence Kasumba, who you would know from uh, Black Panther, 
uh, she's one of the the Dormelage. Um, she plays uh, Ao in that, and she's also in Wonder Woman and uh, and a bunch of other stuff. She's a stunt actress and also you know like actress actress. And she, it's just, I mean, serious as a heart attack mm-hmm. the whole way through. Mm-hmm. That is very different. Gosh, is that different? Yeah. But I mean, here's the biggest question. And this is the most important question of all. How is the Queen Bee? She's fine. <gasps> oh my God, our podcast is going to get canceled. She's, she's, she's fine. She's, oh no. She's fine. I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to drag her. She's not in it that much. She's fine. I, I would say, I just, you know what it is. It's you wouldn't say the screen lights up every time you hear her voice? No. Danny, you're killing us. I'm sorry. You're killing us. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, the beehive is going to come for us. Alfre Woodard is great as Sarabi. Uh, I think uh, Chiwet Elijah Four is very good as Scar. I think John Oliver does a perfectly competent Zazu. Uh, and uh, I'll I'll say this, and this is some more uh, some more stuff that I feel as though I should I should perhaps not say, but who cares? Um, Donald Glover infinitely superior to Matthew Broderick, which as an adult, I thought completely miscast as Simba. I hated him as Simba. I thought of all Matthew the things of all the things I did not like about 1994's The Lion King, yeah. it was Matthew Broderick as Simba. I just I fundamentally don't get it. And I don't hate Matthew Broderick. There are plenty of things that he's done that I've liked very well. I just whew, Donald Glover for me personally is a huge upgrade. Mm. You know what someone should do is take the soundtrack from this and edit it into the animated footage. They could do it for a lot of those things. I'd be very curious to see. Or, that. or they could do the reverse. Um, yeah, but, but, I, but, but yeah, I would just be very curious to see how the new actors, because it's the, the all the complaints that I've or most of the complaints that I've heard about the new film have to do with the, the look of it, and especially with that lack of expressiveness from realistic-looking animals or the expressiveness that we as humans can process and understand. So I would be interested to see how those performances would register with the hand-drawn animated expressiveness that people seem to prefer. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. I will say so that get on it, get it on it, yeah, get on it, internet. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. James Earl Jones did not seem like he wanted to be there. Well, he old. I keep forgetting, which is terrible. What a mean thing to say. That I'm like, I didn't he walk into the into the into the into the, into the field of dreams? Didn't it already happen yet? Um, but I just, man, he just, he doesn't, you know, is he, he's, he's in his eighties. This is, I, you can tell he just seems tired. Mm. I don't, I was very surprised that he came back cause he's the only one that was there. And he just, the performance in 1994, James Earl Jones is, is way better. Um, so I'm very sorry, James Earl Jones. I like you very much. You'll always be my Darth Vader. Uh, anyway. That's our show. Thank you for listening to Who Won the Week. Uh, if you are not subscribed, please subscribe to Who Won the Week. If you've never given us a review, please give us a review. Uh, and uh, please check out all the other podcasts within the Sci-Fi Wire family. You get your uh, Behind the Panel, you get your strong female characters, Bowser Galacticast, uh, Phantom Files, Boarding Party, Days of Marvel, which is going to come back for one last thing, uh, Debate Club, Untold Story, Geeksplain. Good grief. So many, so many things. Um, we've got some new stuff. That happened. We did a thing called Revisiting Apollo 11, Five Untold Stories. Check that out. Uh, and Check there's going to be Sci Fi Wire from the con all yes, this weekend. Then that's the other thing. And I would say, yes, there will be podcast stuff happening. And obviously, also, we'll have 
There'll be all sorts of stuff. Please follow us on social media. We'll be covering everything. Uh, and as we wrap up, uh, Adam, where can folk, folks find you uh, on, on the social media? Uh, they can find me on the Instagrams at Rock the Faces. Uh, and you can um, spike the news directly into your brain if you like on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me there. My name is Danny Roth. I'm at Danny Ordinary. That is Danny with one N. Ordinary also with one N. This has been Who Won the Week. Thank you for winning our week. And we'll see you again next week.